Now we're going to go into my favorite part of service. We have a very special message prepared for you guys today by a very special person. So please give the biggest welcome you can to Pastor Christina. Thanks, babe. <laughs> I think I know where the one scream came from. Thank you, Cheryl. Appreciate it. Okay. <sighs> we love a fan club. Thank you, guys. Wow. Hello. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Do you guys have fun? This is why all the kids leaders come into the lobby Sunday afternoons, just like half asleep. That's the whole time. But thank you guys so much for hanging out and doing worship with us the kids way. Um, I thought it was a blast. Thank you guys for playing the game. I was watching back there. It was awesome. I didn't think Jay was going to do it because you're so far from the ground, but you did good. That was awesome. Well, I'm super excited to be here to get to speak to you guys today. And I'm also excited to not have to talk in like my Disney princess voice, which isn't that good anyways. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, last time I was up here, I taught kind of a kid's message, but to you guys, which is really where I'm comfortable. <laughs> but um, today I thought I would speak just to you guys um, about something that's been on my heart for a while. So I think that something that we notice a lot as like kids pastors, and even I feel like Pastor Elijah would agree as youth pastors, is that um, we're really not just here for your kids and for your youth. We're here for your whole family. And um, we live in a world in a time where the word family comes with so much hurt and pain, unfortunately. And um, that's not how God designed it. So I just wanted to speak into that a little bit today. And um, I know that that's something that really everybody can relate to, whether it's just in your home or whether you have somebody, maybe a distant family member, that you've been waiting to come to Jesus for a long time or come back to Jesus. I know that we all have some rub in our family life where we've been fighting for something for a really long time. So I just wanted to speak into that a little bit today. I am going to pray that my words come out, not my words. So we can all bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this incredible opportunity to speak to adults this morning. I thank you for the awesome privilege you have given me to be kids pastor here at home church and get to know these kiddos. And I thank you for the opportunity to speak to everybody this morning. I pray that what you have for me to say just comes out your words and not mine, and that we all have open ears and open hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But we're all doing good. Yeah, awesome. What'd you guys think of worship? I loved it. Um, yeah, it was so cute. We all learned those dances at camp, and we did them like every day. It was such a blast. So we were glad to get to do them again. So like I said, I really want to talk about family today. My, the title of my message is called Finding New Strength because I feel like there's so much of this um, where we like get into a problem or get into a struggle and we kind of 
accept that it's a problem and kind of give up on it and accept it for what it is. And I don't think that's what God has called us to do. I asked my mom if I can do this. She said yes, so I'm not being disrespectful. But my mom has a really awesome like New York accent. And when we used to like, when I would get in trouble when I was like a teenager and we'd be like kind of going back and forth, my mom would just be like, I'm washing my hands of the situation. Like she was just over it which is so funny. I asked, she said I can say it, I'm not being mean. But I feel like that's something that like, we kind of, a lot of us have that attitude where we're like, whatever, it's just, it's what it is. And honestly, I think God is tired of the it is what it is attitude um, because we're really accepting a watered down version of what God has for us. I'm getting really ahead of myself already and it's been like four minutes. Anyways, so, I really want to talk to people today that either feel like they're just living in strife or chaos or just heavy burden. Like I said, if you're waiting for a family member to come back to Christ or come to him for the first time, or if you're living in a household where you just feel so heavy with, you know, these burdens of chaos, strife, anger, unforgiveness, like there's so many things. And it doesn't matter what it is because I believe that all of them do the same thing. They all divide. Um, and a lot of us in here have been listening to sermons and going to church for a really long time in division. I really believe that the devil only has a couple of tactics in his hand that he uses over and over and over. And I think division is a big one. If, if he can make people feel isolated and alone, he's got you in a place where you're easier to attack. So I want to start off by answering the question, what is a family? Because a lot of times when things start going wrong, it's because we've forgotten what it's meant to be. So a family is, this is going to be like the cheesiest kids pastor answer ever. Sorry, it is what it is. (laughs) But a family is a gift given to us by God. God, we all know, we've all heard, we're not designed to do life alone, live life alone. Every single one of us is in a family. If you are in here and you feel like you're not in a family, welcome in. You're in a family today. Um, But everybody, period, everybody has a somebody. You are somebody's child. You are somebody's parent. You're somebody's sibling. Um, Like I said, if you don't have a family, Hi, my name's Pastor Christina. You're my family now. Welcome. Um, But God does this so that we have people to support us and lift us up. And also, everything is just more fun when you do it with people. Um, So actually, really quick, you don't have to turn here, but Psalm 68.6 says, God places the lonely in families. God doesn't want us to live in seclusion, live in isolation. We weren't meant to do that. Um, And something that I learned this week that I think is really interesting, because I was reading this and I'm thinking about all the times that Jesus went to be alone, to be with the Father. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Isolation is living completely alone. It has a negative connotation. It means loneliness. And solitude is going to recharge and spend time alone with the Father. So they're not the same thing, but if the devil can make us feel isolated, even in our own homes, then, like I said, anybody who's ever 
like watched a fight or seen people fight. Um, I went to public school. I've seen a lot of fights. Um, the best way to do it is to get one person alone. It's easier to fight one person than to fight a group of people, obviously. The devil, I have, this seems so obvious, but the past like month of like really diving into this kind of material, I have realized how terrified the devil is of a family that is a unit that is serving the Lord together, if he can come into your home or come into your family and make every single person feel isolated in what they're dealing with, that's not good. But if we can have a family that is lifting each other up and working together, holding each other up and seeing each other as a gift from God, that is a scary thing to the devil. Um, so I wanna speak for like five seconds directly to kind of parents, caregivers, anybody who works with kids. I feel like I have to because that's what I do. Um, our kids really don't belong to us. I've been through a lot this year and it has shown me that just like a family is a gift, our kids are a gift that God, we are all God's children, that he has entrusted somebody with us to love us and to grow us and to teach us. And I think that more people should view that as such an honor and a privilege and a responsibility to do that the best way we can, the way that Jesus would, because we're all called to live as much like Jesus as we can. And anybody who's spent more than three minutes with a kid knows that kids learn by imitating. Kids copy everything. Um, we had a, a lot of our youth, they served at kids camp because they're amazing. And the kids will watch everything they do and walk behind them and copy it and they start saying the things that they say. Right, Sapphire? They all say the same things. And it's because they're learning by imitating. If we are called to imitate God's love and our kids are imitating us, that puts us in a pretty good spot. But we need to be careful what we're imitating, what we're copying, because somebody is copying you. Even if you are in this room and you're like, I don't have kids, I promise somebody is imitating you. Somebody. Um, because I firmly believe what I'm saying today is not just for parents. Like our youth know somebody is copying you. And that's not a bad thing if you are careful who you are copying. You know, so we all know that that's what we're called to do. If we could all flip really quick to Ephesians 5. I'm not going to lie. I cheated and put post-it notes in my Bible. So I'm probably going to get there faster. <laughs> I'll give you guys a minute. So Ephesians 5, 1, it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Um, this is kind of a, a talking to myself as well thing, I promise you, but like I said, somebody's always watching you, whether you're a parent, whether you're um, in childcare, whether you just go to church here, believe it or not, we all hang out in the lobby and people are watching. Um, how are we 
loving ourselves? How are we loving our spouses? How are we loving our siblings and our parents in front of those people that are imitating us? Are we doing it the way that we expect them to? Are we doing it the way that we believe Jesus would want us to? Because um, this is a big kid's church phrase, but love is an action word. You can say that you love somebody a billion times, but they're not going to believe you until you act like you love them. And Jesus has already done that for us when he took the cross and sacrificed himself for us so we, we could have our sins forgiven in a relationship with him and, you know, we can spend eternity with him. That was action. And loving like Jesus is always going to call for action. Always. Um, but I think that a lot of times we hear like, love like Jesus or love your neighbor. And for some reason, our brains go to like the gas station clerk or the cashier at Reesers or like your kid's teacher. And for some reason, we have the hardest time doing this in our own houses. It's like we want to be that like Jesus love to strangers but then we get in our own home and we kind of like totally forget about it because how many people know it's easiest to lose your temper or you know kind of act a little off the wall with the people you love the most we like really watch ourselves and check ourselves around strangers and then we get around those people that are imitating us and that we're supposed to be loving and making sure we're in a unit with the best, and it kind of all goes out the window because we're comfortable with them. Um, I'm going to say this later again, but comfortable and comfortability are not the same thing. Like, God is a God of comfort, but he's not here to make us comfy at all times. Sometimes it is difficult, and it takes work to keep our patience and make sure that we're imitating the right thing. So this is kind of a time for some evaluation. Um, I promise you, if you were to ask yourself, what does my house like feel like? What does my family or my home look like or feel like? If you don't know, ask your kids. They'll be brutally honest with you. Um, there are Sundays where I will be teaching and a kid will like stand up and yawn really big and I'm like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Um, they'll tell you. <laughs> um, but, you know, we have this, like, thing where, like, we come to church and, like, the church is going to be full of God's presence and God's peace. And then we go home and it's, like, everything, you know, breaks loose. Um, and all the chaos comes back sometimes. But really, our homes should have just as much peace and presence of God as we do here. There's literally no difference. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody, like, pastor said this last week, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, great. Love it. There are things here that I'm like, the shoe totally fits me. And there's also things that I'm like, I'm just going to keep it for the future because I don't want it to fit. I want to be aware of these kind of things. But unfortunately, there are things that our flesh naturally goes to. Um... Something I want to make really clear, though, is this is not a time, even as we're evaluating ourselves and our homes and our families, um, we're not meant to compare to other people. That's a really dangerous game to play uh, because 
God has called us all the different things. We're all in different seasons, all in different walks. And also you never know what's happening in somebody else's, you know, house or somebody else's family life. There's been so many times where I've been like, those people figured it out. And then you find things out and you're like, everybody's, everybody's dealing with something. So don't take this as a time to compare. This is just, I think the Lord has honestly laid this on my heart for a really long time that, like I said, remember family is a gift. I think that as Christians, sometimes we have a really bad habit of accepting less than gifts than God wanted to give us um, because we let our flesh get in the way. Um, I, if you know me at all, you know that I can't keep a clean car like for my life. Um, you're like, why are you telling me this? It's going somewhere, I promise. Um, but all through like high school, my car was like absolutely disgusting. And it would be like Christmas time or my birthday and people would give me a present. And I'd be like, thank you. And I'd put it in the back of my car and forget about it for solidly a year. Like, I'm not kidding. Like a year later, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that was from last Christmas. Thank you. And I'd open it and be like melted chocolate. Um, but no joke, we literally do that. Like, God will give us something and we go, thank you. And we like set it aside somewhere and never take the time to accept and appreciate the gift he's given us. God has put us all in a family. He's given us all people. And people take work because no matter what, people mess up. People let you down. Um, But God never will. But God has given us these people to lift up each other's arms and go through these things together, not isolate, not separate from each other. So if you've been listening to me and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is just depressing. No, I promise. (laughs) Um, Because I really believe that God wants to do something in families today. Um, Like I said, whether it's in your personal home or whether you've just been standing on something for another family member, whether it's you want them to come back or you want them to meet Jesus for the first time and you've been standing on that and it's been laying heavy on you, Uh, I really think that God wants to move and heal some things today. So here is my, my bit of action. I think that God is calling us all to give our families back to him because we tend to grip onto things so hard and like strong arm things and try to do things in our own strength, but we're not in a fight against flesh and blood. A lot of this we have to let the Lord do some of it, and I'm going to say this a bunch of times, but so much of anything, any kind of fight you're in, even if it has nothing to do with family, is a cycle of things. It is a cycle of trusting and listening to God and praying, waiting to see what he says and moving when we're supposed to. But there's going to be periods of time where you just have to trust what he's doing. And that's really hard for us. We want to have something to do. Um, And I totally, I totally get that. It is not my strong suit to sit and wait for God. But anyways, um, I want to read a verse. Um, You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but we're going to be in Isaiah 40. Um, 
So like I said, sometimes we're in seasons of just waiting um, to see what, see what the Lord wants us to do next. But in that waiting, we have to trust him. And sometimes that's really hard and it can be really draining. And I think that, like I said, there's so much hurt associated with family. And I think it breaks God's heart. Um, it breaks mine to hear, like even kids that don't go here, if I like hear stories, it like, I literally could cry myself to sleep. Um, and I think that honestly, the Lord is like, no, this is not, this is not what I called you guys to. I called you to so much more. Um, so I just want to read this as an encouragement. So we're going to be in Isaiah 40. I'm going to jump around. So if you just want to follow on the screen, that'd be great. Um, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary, and no one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Um, if you're at a point in your fight where you're just, you've thrown your hands up, like I was saying earlier, making fun of my poor mom, um, the Lord is working even when we're weary, and he does not rest even when we need to. There are times, I don't know if this is just me, maybe I'm just strange, but like sometimes, you know, you, you have those moments where you're just so exhausted. You've, you know, gone through something hard or you've had an overly emotional day. Sometimes it's comforting to sleep and know that someone else is awake, like making sure everything's okay. That is literally what is happening all the time. Every time we put our head down to rest, which we know that we can because the Bible says that we can have sweet sleep, God is still moving. He's making us strong again. He's giving us new strength, and he is working on those things behind the scenes. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. Um, also with that, though, I've never heard of a victory story in the Bible or in a testimony where there was no effort. Victory always requires effort. Um, whether it's faith, whether it's you had to take a physical step of obedience to do something, victory always requires some sort of work. And we're all in a fight for victory over a situation or we're all just, you know, fighting for that, whatever that thing is for you, whether you're like, yeah, it is my family or it is that one person who I've been waiting for to come back or whether it's something completely unrelated, victory always requires effort, but the Lord renews our strength when we're tired and we're weary. Like I said earlier, God has given us gifts, and I don't want to accept watered-down versions of those gifts anymore. I don't want to settle for 
it is what it is. It's good enough, I guess, when I think that God is calling us all to something higher, to something just bigger for our families. Because I think that every person I see in here has so much calling on their lives. And as a family, you can be serving the Lord together. And like I said, a family that is serving together in whatever capacity is a big threat to the devil. Because we have a group of us all together serving the Lord. That's amazing to have a group of people standing together. So we need to have that trust and obedience. But we also like I said, we need to pray and listen. We need to trust and wait. And then when we have that, okay, this is what I need to do. We need to obey and, you know, move. So I said this earlier, but I just read at the beginning of this chapter, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. God is a God of comfort, but comfort and comfortability are not the same thing at all. Um, Honestly, if you are going to live a life with Jesus, you are going to live a life constantly being asked to step outside of comfort. But the good thing is, is God always leads us there. He's always with us, and he brings us comfort outside of our comfort zone as we're doing that thing. Um, He's never asked us to go do this alone, ever. Um, And I really believe that this is a fight where we're all, like I said earlier, we're fighting for that victory, and victory requires effort. Maybe that effort today is, let's, like, if you're in a fight, put your head down, start praying, and just focusing on that. What do, like, I need to listen. What do I need to do? Do I need to wait? Because we're on a mission for that victory, right? Um, You do not have to follow here, because I'm, I, talk pretty fast sometimes. I'm trying to go slow today. But I'm going to read a story in Mark, and then we're going to pick a couple of things. Um, I'm not even going to take credit for this. Earlier this year, I listened to an amazing message um, by Holly Furtick. She's awesome. And she read this story, and she made a couple notes about it, and I had never thought of it like this before. So I'm going to share it with you guys. Um, So I'm going to kind of jump around, but I'm going to be in Mark 5 if you want to follow me. So Jesus got into the boat again. He went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. The leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years. She had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. We all kind of know the story there. She comes up behind Jesus. She touches his robe. Jesus turns around and is like, yo, who touched me? Um, and then he, you know, he turns around and he like has a conversation with this woman. I had never in my life heard the story kind of told at the same time. I'd heard the story of Jairus and his daughter, and I heard the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I never realized that Jairus is obviously 
emotional, he's stressed out, his daughter is dying, he takes a step completely out of faith, which is something awesome that we can learn from him. His action was totally based on faith. Jesus, you have to come with me. I know you can heal her. Awesome. So he's like, we got to go. Like, she's dying. Jesus stops in the crowd and turns around and starts talking to some lady. Again, I had never realized these two things happened at the same time. And Jairus, Jairus could have ended up being the jerk in this story because I try to read stories something you do when you teach kids is you try to go, okay, what are they thinking? So I can, you know, make it more relatable. Um, so I'm like, a lot of us, if we were in Jairus's situation, we would literally would have been like, no, 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 no. I told you we have to hurry. You can come back for her. If that were the case, we all would have hated Jairus. We would have been like, I don't like that guy. But we do that a lot we see people getting exactly what we want or exactly what we're praying for right in front of us, and we get upset about it. And Jairus could have totally been like, no, my daughter's dying. I asked you first, and you can come back for her. And saying that out loud sounds ridiculous. It sounds childish. Jairus stood there. Whether he was thinking these things, honestly, he probably was, because I would be. I'd be like, come on. We got to go. Um, but he just stood there. Like the Bible doesn't say anything about what he did other than the fact that when they were done, they kept going. And I think there's so much in that because we do know that eventually they make it to uh, the Jairus's house. And there's another opportunity for Jairus to let his flesh control how he reacts because the men come outside and say, she's already dead. And he could have whipped around at Jesus and been like, this is your fault. You stopped. I told you to hurry. And you guys are all looking at me like, that's crazy. Nobody would say that to Jesus. But we say that to people who get the things that we want right in front of us. Um, how many times have you been like, I'm struggling with my family and my sister's family is perfect. Like, we get really upset about it. Um, but I think this is a great example of what do you do when you see somebody getting exactly what you're praying for? Because it's really easy to let our flesh respond for us, and I fully believe that reaction is a choice. Even if it's a quick one, when something happens, and you react in a certain way, there is a split second where you decide you're going to do that. Even if it's short, Jairus had to decide not to whip around and blame Jesus. He still maintained his faith. And because of his faith, I believe, and because of Jesus's love for the little girl, she was healed, right? But something else I wanted to mention is we don't really know a lot about Jairus, his home before this could have been amazing, could have been a mess. We don't know. Nobody asked, nobody cared. Jesus did not heal the little girl or go with Jairus based off of those kind of conditional things. He just, he just went because of his love and because of Jairus's faith. So a couple of things that, if you're taking notes, I want to pull from this story is Jairus's action was based on faith. 
Uh, two, do not compare to something you can't even see. Because Jairus could have compared his situation to the woman's. He didn't know her. He didn't know exactly what was happening. Um, and we could even compare, you know, oh, well, Jairus's family must have been perfect because his daughter was healed. You, we don't know. You don't know what happened in that house before or after. You have no idea. Um, and the other thing is, we need to be careful how we react because we're supposed to be imitating Jesus. If we're imitating Jesus and reaction is a choice, we need to be careful how we allow ourselves to act. If we let our flesh react for us, we're going to run into problems. Because like I said, if Jairus had reacted the way that I had said, everybody in this room would be like, oh yeah, there's that one story where that one guy's a jerk to that poor lady. Like, we would all hate him. But we don't realize that we do that sometimes. So, really, I wanted to put that in here today because I realize that family is such a sensitive topic for so many people. And the last thing I would want anybody to do is leave here comparing what you see God doing in you or in your family to what God is doing in somebody else because we're all in different walks. We're all, we all have different callings. And it's not our job to tell God who goes first or what happens next. It's our job to do what Jairus did and stand there and wait and have faith and trust that Jesus is coming with us as soon as he's ready. Um, and I think that when we do that, like I'm not saying that's easy to do. It is hard to watch somebody get what you're praying for and just stand there and woo. Like it, our flesh doesn't want to do that. But like I said, it's a choice to imitate Jesus. But God will honor that heart when we can love people the way that he wants us to. And those people that are mimicking you, those kids that are imitating you, or whoever is watching you, they will see that that reaction that was maybe difficult to make. So um, I want us to all kind of ask ourselves, like, what is God calling my family to? What is God calling me to do next? Um, am I in that calling? Am I at least walking towards it? Um, if so, awesome. Keep going. Keep praying. We know victory is a fight. Faith is a fight. Um, Victory takes effort, but the Lord is always with us. But if we feel like today, like, this is something I got I to gotta fight for harder, I need to work on, um, I really, really, truly with all my heart can say that God wants to do something in you today, in your home today. Um, and I believe that we are, and we are becoming a church who doesn't want to settle for less than what God has for us. Um, because, like I said, we're in a fight for victory. And ultimately, when we, when we get those victories and we get those testimonies, not only does it bring us peace and joy in our life, but ultimately it brings glory to God and it brings hope to other people going through those same things later on. So I want to just talk a little. I know I've said this like 12 times. I'm sorry. In kids, you have to like repeat yourself a lot. So it's just like it's stuck in there. But if you don't know where to start today because... I 
do not like, I strongly dislike, when you listen to a message and you feel like convicted and then the, the person prays and you leave and you're like, well, what do I do now? I feel awful. I don't want anybody to feel awful. Um, I really think this is such a hopeful message that God graced me with um, because I really think it's just because he wants more for all of his children and those hurts and things that we've held on to, I really think they break his heart and he wants to see us living the fullest we absolutely can. And so if you're listening to me today and you're like, okay, yeah, I want to, I want to fight for that victory, but I have no idea where to start. Um, little home church plug, uh, pastor Jeff just did two messages last month, one about prayer and one about reading your Bible. Great places to start. Because like I said, we are in this cycle of praying and listening and then trusting and waiting and then acting when it's time. Like we are, it's, it literally will forever just keep going. You're going to have times of listening. You're going to have times of waiting and going, all right, God's moving. I know it. And then you're going to have times of, okay, I need to do this and obey. Um, and the best way to start that is to pray, is to get in your word, and to worship. Um, if everybody wouldn't mind turning to Psalm 37, I'm all about having verses to stand on. A big thing we do in kids is we give our kids a, um, a little shouted out mantra every month because we, we believe so strongly that if you can confess God's word over yourself, eventually it sticks in our hearts. And so I want to leave you guys with something encouraging today that you can go back to. So if you have your physical Bible, amazing. I'm all about like the actual, the thing. I don't know why it doesn't like stick in my brain on the phone, but you can use your phone too, I guess. Um, but I want to read a little bit out of Psalm 37. I think it will really encourage you guys, and give us all a place to start as we, as we kind of fight this, this fight that we're all in. But I just, I want to reiterate how much God values you and your families, um, how much I value you and your family. I love your kids. I'm not going to lie to you. Your kids are my favorite part of my job, um, but I love you too. Um, and I want them to go home to the family that God has for them. I want you guys to go home to the family that God has for you. Um, and if you have something, like I said earlier, that's just been laying on you for years, you're like, I've been praying for this one person or this one thing to change for so long and it's so heavy on me, whether it's, you know, chaos or strife or unforgiveness or confusion or, like I said, that person that you're just waiting for them to come to Jesus. I just, I want to encourage you so much that those things can happen. We don't have to throw our hands and give up on them. Um, but we just have to continue to trust God and to pray and to do what he asks us to do. So I'm going to read Psalm 37. Um, I'm going to start in verse three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. 
He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. If you need something to stand on, I think this is a great verse that you can just, even that last tiny verse, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. The waiting period of trusting God is the hardest part to be in. Praying, praying is a conversation. I can do that. I'm real good at talking. I got, you know, we all kind of got to work on the listening part, but like we can all talk. Um, acting, once you take the initial step, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier than sitting and just being patient and waiting. So if that one verse would encourage you, if that's like the only thing you remember today, awesome. Um, so I just, I really want this to be encouraging to you guys today. And I want us to, I don't want anybody to leave discouraged or just feel like they're still stuck, stuck in the same cycle of hurt that they've been stuck in. So if everybody could stand, actually, that'd be great. Um, I really, really think that God is moving in hearts, maybe even a people not in this room. Um, so I'm just going to pray really fast. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this word that you have given. I thank you, Jesus, that you move even when we are weary, we're tired. I thank you that anybody in here who is dealing with the fight of uh, just trying to strive for more and accept the gift of a family the way have you have called us to, I pray that you would just give them not only peace, but you will give them your strength. You would help them to not be weary and not feel like they've got to throw their hands up and accept things for less than. I pray that you would just strengthen them. You would give them direction and peace in the waiting, and you would give them boldness in the time to act, Lord. I thank you that you are working on hearts. You are working on minds. You're giving us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.